we have to be willing to understand our internal voice. And so when we start with ourselves, when we start asking ourselves those tough questions, when we start having those internal conversations, we're able to integrate all of the healing work we're doing in the outside world within our lives. And until we get to know ourselves, we're not able to do that as well. And I think that's why self-healing is so important, whether you're doing it with other people or whether you're doing it solo. You're listening to Make Some Noise Podcast, episode number 481 with guest Yasmin Cheyenne. Welcome to Make Some Noise Podcast, your guide for strategies, tools, and insight to empower yourself. I'm your host, Andrea Owen, global speaker, entrepreneur, life coach since 2007, and author of three books that have been translated into 18 languages and are available in 22 countries. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a lesson that will help you maximize unshakable confidence, master resilience, and make some noise in your life. You ready? Let's go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you're here. I'm recording this for the first time in a very long time with my dog in the room. And you may remember me talking about her. We have a German Shepherd puppy. She is seven months old now at time of recording. Her name is Astrid. And when she was very, very young, I had her in here when I was recording an intro, I think once. And then after that, it just can't happen. She just... She's way too playful. She's trying to like chew my face, you know, just it's just not working out. But yesterday, unfortunately, unfortunately, it was a Sunday and I spent, my husband was with me part of the day, about six hours in the emergency vet. Originally, I thought she had a bowel obstruction. It's a long story. Turns out she doesn't. She actually has pneumonia, aspiration pneumonia. I had never heard of it before but it explains her cough and some vomiting and lethargy. I go home that night and what do I do? I Google it. Um, dogs die from this. <laughs> I was like, you have got to be kidding me. The vet didn't mention that. I just, I looked at the abstract of one study. I didn't even look at like what kind of dogs it was, what size breed, anyway. But it was like 79% of dogs ended up fine, but 21% of them died within 30 days. <sighs> so I, anyway, she's in here with me. This room also doubles as a guest room. And so she's on the guest bed. She slept with me last night. She's usually a very good girl and sleeps in her crate, but she was with me last night and she was pretty good. We woke up. Well, she woke up several times and I woke up to her licking my face, which there are worse ways to be woken up um, too. But it, it was, she's, I think she's going to be okay. But anyway, talk about nerve wracking. But at any rate, she's here and she's resting. My whole point is that it's finally a moment where she doesn't feel well and she's able to just lay down and she's actually napping. She's closing her eyes right now so I can, I can get some work done. And I'm excited to bring you this guest. I'm loving, I'm loving this theme. I hope that you are too. And I also, just a quick reminder that we have some openings for private coaching this fall. And if you are thinking about writing a book, if you've always thought, I need to write a book, I want to write a book, everyone tells me I should write a book, and you have no idea 
where to start. I get that question a lot when I'm even when I'm being interviewed for like the topics of my book, people are like, how did you get it done? <laughs> they want to know the process of how to write a book. I do work with people in a consulting relationship where I help you, even if you are totally stuck, we could just do like a one-off strategy session and I can help you get clear on what it is or even help you decide if you want to write the book or not or which direction you want to go. If it's traditional publishing, you want to go hybrid or complete self-publishing. The question becomes, what is your book? Not what is it about? That comes later, but what is your book? And that's what you have to, and of course I ask more questions than that, but figuring out like what your book actually is, that's what you have to figure out first. So let me know. You can either just shoot us an email, support at andreaowen.com, or you can fill out a co- coaching application, andreaowen.com slash coaching, and we can see if it is a great fit. All right, switching gears. If you don't know who our guest is today, I'm excited for you to meet her and you are going to get to know her. Yasmin Cheyenne is a self-healing educator, author, speaker, and mental wellness advocate who helps people learn how to cultivate daily practices to build healthy, joyful lives. Yasmin believes in self-healing for everyone, and with the launch of the Sugar Jar Community app, she's created a safe space to develop self-awareness, learn boundaries, and find resources to support your mental health. Coming in January 2023, she will be releasing her first book, The Sugar Jar, and The Sugar Jar will show readers that through little adjustments to set boundaries and nurture our energy, we can create more balance and joy in our lives. So without further ado, here is Yasmin Cheyenne. Yasmin, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Yay. I'm so excited. I told you as soon as we got on to Zoom, like, I can't wait to ask you all these questions because everything that you talk about is in so much alignment with what my audience loves and, you know, loves to hear about and learn about and and have experts on other than my big mouth saying the same thing over and over again. Sometimes it <laughs> takes a different, a different, you know, different words, different, different expert coming on. And so, I don't know if I've ever had anyone on who specifically uses the term self-healing. So can mm-hmm. let's start there. Like why tell us why self-healing is an such an important part of our self-care. Yes, first of all, again, thank you for having me and I think self-healing is important for our healing journey, for our self, our self-care because we're not always in a place where we can afford outside therapy. We're not Mm -hmm. always in a place where we're willing to listen to what other people are saying. And I think also more than not for any of the external advice we're being given, whether it's our therapist, our coach, our spiritual teacher to work, we have to be willing to understand our internal voice. And so when we start with ourselves, when we start asking ourselves those tough questions, when we start having those internal conversations, we're able to integrate all of the healing work we're doing in the outside world within our lives. And until we get to know ourselves, we're not able to do that as well. And I think that's why self-healing is so important, whether you're doing it with other people or whether you're doing it solo. Of course, it can go the other direction and and sometimes be harmful. But I think for the most part, social media Mm -hmm. has been incredibly helpful for those people who might not be in a place where either they they don't have the means to to afford outside care or they're just like not real ready to to go there. I mean, TikTok mm-hmm. has been an excellent resource, I think, for so many in, in the mental health health industry. And so speaking of like you created a community called the Sugar Jar Community. So 
Mm-hmm. First of all, tell people what that is and and why or how did you start it? Yeah, you know, I created the Sugar Jar Community app because um, the majority of one-on-one clients that I've worked with have been people who have said, well, you know, healing's not really for me. I just want to feel better. Or okay. healing's, not really, <laughs> healing's not really for me. I just want to do better at work. Or mm-hmm. healing's not really for me. I just want to find a boyfriend. And sure. mm-hmm. I think that it's important to meet people where they are. Like when you were saying earlier, um, TikTok's been helpful. I know Instagram's been very helpful for people. And before social media, we all, well, some of us read self-help books. Like yeah. this is mm-hmm. what we've, we've always been on this journey of self-excavation. And I think now it's just become more uh, relevant for people of all ages and all you know backgrounds to feel comfortable saying, Yes, I go to therapy, but like, what do you do the other 14 days before you go back to your therapist? You're with yourself. Mm -hmm. So this is something that just allows you, the Sugar Jar Community app allows you to continue those deep dives. And I find that when you are with a therapist or a coach or your spiritual healer, when you're doing that self-excavation, when you're not in those sessions, when you come back to those sessions, you have more to bring rather than when you, you know, if you're only getting that work in for that 50 minute period, most therapists only see for 50 minutes, not the full hour. You're not getting the full breadth of what you could be getting if you were on that journey with yourself as well. I always tell people, and I I think that I might've heard this in coach training 15, 15 years ago. Somebody said, one of our instructors said, the majority of the work happens in between the sessions. And it struck me because I remember thinking that when I was in couples therapy in my previous marriage and and like being so frustrated that my my then my previous husband like wouldn't do any of the work. And I and I I was like, do you think it's like a magic wand that we're just gonna like be in there for 45 minutes and like our life is gonna change? But I agree with you. I think it's it sounds super cliche, but like you get out of it what you put into it. And it doesn't mean you have to, you know, have your nose to the grindstone every single, every single minute of every single day. But, and I, I think that you've created something amazing by having people in community because there's really something magical about that. Absolutely. And, you know, with all of the things that we talk about with social media, for example, one of the brilliant things about it has been people recognizing that they're not alone in the ways that they mm-hmm. do suffer. There's going to be ups and downs in life. We're going to have those highs and lows. You know, we heal so that we have the tools to be able to support us when tough things happen. Healing doesn't make life perfect. Healing doesn't make everything, you know, work out the way we want it to, although I wish it did. It really just supplies supplies us with what we need to be able to still have access to ease and peace and joy while the world sometimes feels like it's falling apart when you're going through those tough times. Right. Well, what are, that brings me to what I wanted to ask you. Like, what are some, like, can we get a little bit granular here? Like, what are some mm-hmm. strategies that someone can use to start their self-healing journey? Or do you think, you know, it, it might be more beneficial to, I feel like you're kind of like not attached to like, if somebody does it the self-healing way, or that's more beneficial to have a therapist or coach, but what are some strategies that someone can use? Yeah, absolutely. I think so to just to be clear, I'm definitely not attached. Um, I think every individual finds the way that's best for them to start their healing journey or continue it. Mm -hmm. I always like to invite people to start with self boundaries. Um, And why do I call them self boundaries? Because they're boundaries that only have to deal with you, not boundaries that require you to sit down and have a conversation with your friend or with your partner. Because when we think about boundaries, and if you don't know what boundaries are, 
the way I define them is the rules or like the regulation, the, the rules that we put in place that dictate the way we interact with people, places, and things. It's how we teach people how to treat us and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And when we start healing and we start realizing, oh my gosh, I'm a people pleaser. Oh, wow. I overgive. We start thinking, I'm going to tell every single person in my life how I feel <laughs> and they are not going to have access to me anymore because they take too much and they don't care about, you know, we want to, we want to share. Well, on a surface <laughs> level, I think that's how people think boundaries work. Right. We think it's an ultimatum. We think right. it's, this is what you need to do for me. Um, and sometimes it is a clear set definition of, hey, don't wear shoes in my house. Hey, don't curse around my kids. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes it is that that direct. But self-boundaries start with you. Like if you've decided that you want to wake up early in the morning, then you're the one that needs to set the alarm and actually get up. Mm-hmm. If you're the one who decided that you don't want to um, be on your phone after 830, then you need to put the do not disturb on and stop answering the phone call. And it's it's not a goal. It's not a plan. It's more so saying this is a boundary I put in place. I'm done with my phone after this time. And the reason why self-boundaries are the great place to start is because they allow you to start bringing your own energy back. The energy and time that we give to people and places and the story that we tell ourselves that everyone is taking from me. You know, when we think about the sugar Mm -hmm. jar, the reason why I use that metaphor is because, you know, we think that everyone is coming into our kitchen and taking our sugar, our energy, our time, our money. When really it's, we don't have a lid on our jar. We don't have boundaries in place. So people are just taking what they see. We're the ones that have to put the, the, the lid on the jar. We're the ones who have to say no to ourselves first and then honor and respect that no. From that place, we're more able to advocate for ourselves in a healthy way in our external relationships. But the, the boundaries always start with us. The way that we interact with ourselves always starts with us. Yes. hundred <laughs> percent. I believe that. Well, can, let's, let's talk about, let's stay on the topic of boundaries here for just a mm-hmm. minute. And I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are around creating boundaries with other people. And mm-hmm. if you want to get into like what that might actually look like, uh, like with like an example, like a, you know, a hypothetical example that that would be great. But, but I, what and I'm really curious about is how can that help someone heal? Because we, I tend to talk about boundaries from a place of like, this needs to happen in order for you to, you know, feel good about yourself, have a better life and stop taking people's crap. <laughs> mm-hmm. But can you talk about it from a place of actual healing for something that someone might experience? Absolutely. I would love to talk about people pleasers um, because I think that in a way, all of us have a part of us that is willing to overgive in relationships where we feel like this is what I should be doing, quote unquote. This is how I should show up with this person. I'm a sister. I'm a mom. I'm a brother. I should do this. And the reason that boundaries help us begin to heal is because when we begin to put boundaries, to get to the boundary, and it's Thank you for asking this, because to get to the boundary, we often have to be honest with ourselves about why the boundary is needed. So if we're thinking about, I want to turn my phone off um, at 8.30 because I don't have time to do the things that I enjoy doing after a long day, then the question might be, why do I need to put a boundary in place? Well, because I don't have time because people are always calling me, right? Mm -hmm. So if we're honest with ourselves, then that's what that process looks like. I don't have time because people keep calling me after 8.30. So I need to put a boundary in place so that I have the space. If we're not honest with ourselves, then the conversation might start sound more like, like how we talked about earlier, they're taking from me. 
Um, I'm always overgiving. I'm always the one that has to be on the call. I'm always the one that has to help pick up the kids. I, I'm always the one that has to do this. We're more likely to feel those feelings of resentment, those, especially if we're not being honest with ourselves or with them. We're more likely to hold on to and harp negative emotions about what's happening around us rather than make the actual changes that can give us access to what we do the healing for. The, the reason that we embrace healing or that we go on a healing journey, I, I hope for most of us, is so that we can enjoy our lives more. Yeah. Not so that we can just heal you know, for, mm-hmm. forever. We're doing it because we want to have more spaciousness or we want to have more freedom or we don't want to carry burdens or we're doing it because of trauma we may have experienced, right? Um, and we want to f- release ourselves from those those feelings, from those experiences, or to at least create a space of acceptance about what we experience and make room for something different as we move forward. And so boundaries helps us to create space in our lives. If we don't have boundaries, then most likely we are completely overwhelmed and we as an individual are underprioritized mm-hmm. in our own lives. Um, and so boundaries is often that starting point, specifically with ourselves, just asking like the blunt question, what do I do every single day that I don't actually want to be doing? Mm -hmm. Where am I saying yes? Why am I going to that event? Why am I watching her dog this weekend? I don't like dogs. You know, like what are the things that I say yes to and then hold resentment within myself and then feel angry within myself? Or wish someone would reciprocate for me that they never do. What, what, what am I doing in my life in the hopes that eventually it'll feel good or someone will see what I do for them and reciprocate it for me? You're singing when out I, the codependence theme song here. <laughs> I am. <laughs> oh. Yes. Well, you know what word kept popping up as you were describing all of that stuff? I was like, it's the resentment for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if mm-hmm. I'm feeling resentful, I know that there's a conversation that needs to take place and probably a boundary. Not every time, because I mean, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and tell everybody that every time I feel resentment, there's something that someone else is doing that their behavior needs to change. Sometimes it's mine. Sometimes it's my perspective. Sometimes it's my expectations need to change. And it's it's very nuanced, I feel like, depending on the situation, depending on the person. But I think the vast majority of the time when I'm feeling resentful, there's a boundary that I have not either been clear on or I have not had the conversation in the first place or I have not been holding that other person accountable for that boundary. And I was I was just having a conversation with someone else here on my show talking about my own personal experience and in self-abandoning. And Mm -hmm. for me, one thing I've realized after decades of doing my own work is that when I set a boundary and I stick to it, I'm proving to myself that I matter. Like I matter to me, like what I, what I need, what I want, what I can tolerate matters. And if Mm -hmm. someone else is negligent and reckless with that, then that's a humongous red flag. One that I have ignored a million times. <laughs> yes. And that's the key word there. Like, that's why we start with, uh, with ourselves because for some, sometimes we haven't shared it. Sometimes we, the, we haven't shared the boundary. And so that's why, you know, the check-in with ourselves is like, oh, I'm resentful because they're doing this thing, but actually I never told them they couldn't do this thing. Right. But sometimes we have shared it and they're, and we're the ones who are ignoring it. And so that's checking again is going to happen with us. Like we're not going to go to them and say, Hey, I've been ignoring this boundary, this thing you've been doing. We're going to say, 
we're going to talk to ourselves and say, I've been ignoring this boundary and this is what I need to do. And I think that's why starting with ourselves is so powerful. We eliminate so many of the, the conversations, projections, debates, because people will try to debate us about what we need or what we believe mm-hmm. um, when we go to ourselves and say, actually, this is what I need. Because sometimes we need a conversation and sometimes it's just like, I'm not picking up the phone. Right, <laughs> right. Yes, I've had I've had that where you just <laughs> you're just not picking up the phone anymore. Um, but I've done it the wrong way too, or I've just not had the conversation. I'm just like ignoring it, like pretending it'll just go away. Mm-hmm. I had a client once that said, "I guess people are going to keep crossing my boundaries if I never told them about the boundaries in the first place." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she wasn't trying to be funny, you know, like, and it was funny, sure, but like, yeah. it was such a moment of realization for her that she had to to learn about and. I think too, so many arguments happen and re- repeated arguments happen because there's a boundary that's like never been been talked about. My health journey. It's been a long journey over the last couple of years and trying to figure out and get to the bottom of, of what it is. And there's been a lot of action that I've taken and Everly Well has been one of the pieces to the puzzle that has been so incredibly helpful. If you've been experiencing symptoms and don't know where to start, Everlywell is committed to listening and supporting your journey towards better health and wellness. The Everlywell Women's Health Test measures 11 biomarkers known to play a role in your overall health and wellness and checks for any abnormal levels that may be keeping you from feeling your absolute best. Everlywell is a digital healthcare designed for you all at an affordable and transparent price. With over 30 at-home lab tests, you'll be able to choose the test that makes the most sense for you to get the answers you need, like the women's health test or the food sensitivity test. It's so simple. Over 1 million people have trusted Everly Well to support their health and wellness goals, and you should too. And for listeners of the show, Everlywell is offering a special discount of 20% off an at-home lab test at everlywell.com slash noise. That's everlywell.com slash noise for 20% off your next at-home lab test, everlywell.com slash noise. What advice would you give to a client who tends to be a chronic people pleaser and they say, I really, I know I need to have this conversation with someone, but I'm terrified to do it. I would give them two different options to decide for themselves. The first question I would ask is, is this person a safe person to have this conversation with? Mm -hmm. I think this is super important because not every person has done the work or has the capacity or capability to hear what we have to share. Yeah. Can we back up even a step further? How do you define safe person? Yeah. So let's say it's a family member because these are often the hardest ones. Exactly. Um, Thank you. Because, yep. So people say, well, it's my mom and I, you know, but I don't feel comfortable having this conversation with her because she's passive aggressive or whatever, maybe full on aggressive. Thinking about the behavior of this person, um, does this person make you feel safe and normal conversation? Do you feel anxiety before you have to meet with them? Are they aggressive with you? Um, Do they take self accountability? Mm-hmm. Are they willing to hear you out? Um, you know, asking yourself, does this person in the and this is not from a place of judgment. This is like from a place of honesty. Has this person shown me in the past that they're going to be able to hear what I'm going through, hear what I need from them? And are we going to be able to have a, a healthy conversation to get to a place of compromise and understanding? Or 
is this going to be a conversation that leads to a fight, you know, arguments, denying your experience, denying, um, gaslighting, you know, things like that. And this is not an opportunity to diagnose people or anything like that. It's more so just recognizing the experience that you've had with this person and being honest, because if they're not a safe person and a safe person would be someone, not someone who's perfect. This person may still get upset. This person Mm -hmm. may still get frustrated with what you have to say, but they're willing to listen to you. They're not going to necessarily talk over you the whole time. They're not going to call you names or say that you're a liar because you said you need boundaries. Um, They're willing to respect you during this this conversation. Like if it's someone who's safe, then yes, you may be willing to have a conversation with them. And the reason why this is important is because sometimes we set ourselves up for even more negative interactions with the person thinking that we're going to be clearing the air. And sometimes even unconsciously, we're hoping that maybe this time things will be different. Mm -hmm. It's so important to trust what people are showing you. You know, what Dr. Maya Angelou always says, you know, when people show you who they are, believe them. Mm -hmm. And this is also a part of self-healing and respecting ourselves and boundaries. It's it's respecting our own boundaries. If I said, I don't want to have these kinds of interactions, then why do I keep walking into them? Okay. Yeah. So, okay. I have more questions about that, but I want to, I want to finish sort of this like kind of chunk of advice. So if Mm -hmm. someone is not a safe person, Mm -hmm. what do they do next? So someone's not a safe person to have a conversation with, then that's where self-healing really becomes important. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I say self-healing, I just want to be clear that I'm not saying it has to happen alone. Self-healing is something that we do with ourselves, yes, but then you can take the work that you're doing to your therapist, to your coach, even to your friends, your family, people that, again, you feel safe with. Have those tough conversations with friends or family. Say, hey, you know, I'm having this problem with my sister or my mom, um, and this is what I'm working through, and I just need someone to talk to about it. Bring it to your therapist, bring it to your coach, and begin to discern is this a relationship that I can continue to be in without resolving this issue? Do I feel safe in this relationship? Um, am I going to be able to move on um, from this particular situation and just accept that this is a, this is a thing, their passive aggressiveness, their inability to respect my boundaries? Am I going to be able to deal with these behaviors and continue to be in relationship with them? Because let's face it, many of us are in relationships with family members that aren't necessarily the healthiest folks to be exactly (laughs) and we're doing it because they're family right and we or we don't want to end the relationship or the uh, the alternative is this person isn't safe and i'm not going to continue the relationship and of course Mm -hmm. there's a gray within that you know we might have i go to events and i and i'll be around them when there are other people there but i won't do one-on-one you know you begin to have that conversation about what the relationship is going to look like and how you feel safest being in their presence Right. Sometimes a boundary looks like you only have surface level conversations with that person at obligatory Absolutely. family functions. The the big work is not the, the reason, again, we do the self-healing work is so that you don't feel guilty about this choice. You mm-hmm. learn that you're actually making a healthy choice for yourself. And sometimes we have to prioritize what we need over what other people are telling us we should need or what we should be doing. Yeah. I mean, thank you for, for, Bringing up the family member thing, because what I hear over and over again, and I'm sure you do too with your clients, is um, how painful it is for people to set these kind of boundaries with their their family members and feeling like a bad 
sibling or child or whatever it is to the relation to your family member. And I I was asked recently um, in one of my groups by a woman saying, you know, what do I do if I have repeatedly tried to set this kind of boundary with a family member? And it was, it was her mother and, and they just refused to acknowledge it. And I said, I think that we, we vastly underestimate how much grief is involved Mm -hmm. when we try to set a boundary with someone, especially when it's a parent and Mm -hmm. they don't, um, and they don't, they don't respect it because in many cases, if not most cases, it's less painful to hold out hope that they're going to change and they're going to see it our way and they're going to respect our boundary rather than accept that they likely won't and to go through the grieving process that they're not going to be the type of parent that we want them to be. Oh my gosh, yes. I remember when I heard that, that was largely what I learned from, I'm trained and certified in Brene Brown's work and in, in the Rising Strong curriculum, she talks about giving people the benefit of that they are doing the best they can with what they have. Like they're, they're doing their best all the time. And and many times their best is crap. And that's mm-hmm. when we need to set boundaries. And then later she talks about grief and I put it together and I'm like, this is, this is everything that has to do with families. Um, because I sure have held out hope that somebody was going to change and been disappointed over and over and over again. And I, and I don't, I don't want to say people don't change. They do. I have received apologies from someone in my life before who was a lot older than than me. And like, I was kind of convinced I'm like, this person's never going to change. And then they apologize. So I was taken aback, but (laughs) I do think that that's the exception in many cases. um, And that my experience isn't a super common one. And I just want to emphasize that grief is such a big part of boundaries a lot of times because we don't get what we want. Absolutely. and. Uh, someone commented under one of my posts one time, like the pain of grieving the living, because we do only talk about mm-hmm. grief um, when it, we, or we think about grief a lot with loss or with death, but it's the death of a relationship. You know, when you put a boundary in place, it's, it's, you're saying that the way that we were doing this relationship, this current cycle is done. We're moving on. I'm at least moving on to something different. And so you do have that grief. And, you know, that's why I talked about the, um, with self-healing, you know, dealing with the guilt that comes up. This is these are normal things that come up with any kind of grief, you know, to kind of done something different. Is it me? You know, we start questioning ourselves and that's why it's so important to, yes, if you're self-healing, but have community, have friends, have um, your coach, your therapist, people who can support you while you're going through this process, because yes, you're going to do a lot of the work alone in your journal, you know, in an app through books, Mm-hmm. But you also want to be able to have those conversations so that people can reflect and mirror to you um, your strength and and also be there to support you compassionately while you're making these tough choices. Thank you for all of that. And I, I want to kind of slightly switch switch gears because I know you talk about a lot of different things in our healing journey and just like mm-hmm. being self-aware. And one of the things that I loved, I was um, looking at your Instagram feed as you were talking about the it was it sounded like it was kind of a strategy of you know people always we tend to have the negativity bias as humans do and thinking about like worst case scenarios especially the anxiety women out there listening like i see you like <laughs> i am one <laughs> and just you know oh my gosh like what if this happens and what if that happens and and you were talking about learning the strategy of of you know there are other truths and like what if something amazing happened like it's a possibility i had a coach once that called that 
the and it's 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 kind of a mouthful the what if up game so like mm-hmm. um you know what if the technology fails on this this recording and I lose the whole thing and then I have to look like kind of a jerk and tell Yasmin like ask her if we can do it again like mm-hmm. you know that could happen or what if it's an amazing thing and like she gets all this work from it and then we end up collaborating together like I don't know I'm not putting pressure on you (laughs) but there's like like learning that perspective just training our brains like is that how you look at it it's kind of like mind training that there are other truths rather than like what our brain says yes and I think that we have to you know I, I think it's so important that we learn to trust that things are not always going to go the way we hoped. That is one of the things that I try to impart with myself, but especially with my clients and in my work, because when we think that things have to go the way that we hoped, a lot of times, and I'm a recovering perfectionist myself, but perfection gets in the way of us reminding ourselves about our humanness. And we think that we we lose sight of the fact that we actually don't have as much control as we, we think we do on how things turn out, but we can definitely control how we react to how things turn out. Mm-hmm. And I think it just, uh, it gives us that, again, I, I always go back to compassion because that's the thing that I think most of us are lacking the, yes. the way that we talk to ourselves. Preach. And it's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. We, we might be like, shit, I can't believe this happened mm-hmm. and get really hard on ourselves in that moment. And then we can come back and say, okay, this is how I can give myself compassion in this moment and recognize that one, I couldn't have controlled this Two, This is how I can react to this. This is who I can ask for help. This is how I can, you know, adjust to this situation. Um, and, it, and I, and I also love to think about every error or mistake as actually a lesson or a blessing rather than, Oh, this is like, you know, I, I made this mistake. I'm wrong. This is wrong. I made the wrong choice. Every time I've made a mistake, even the ones that I'm like, gosh, I wish I really didn't have to learn this lesson. Mm-hmm. In hindsight, I'm still like, okay, this is what what came from that. Um, and I'm not talking about like the really tough things that we sometimes go through that just suck. And because I'm, I'm not the type of person that's like everything that happens in life was mm, meant to go through. No, sometimes no. life just sucks. <laughs> Thank you. I say the exact same thing about my book. I said something like sometimes life is the worst and things just happen. Yeah. There's those moments. And then there's like, I chose this job because I thought it would be a better job. It turned out that it wasn't. And yet I was able to get another job after this. I learned a lesson and now I'm moving on. Like Mm -hmm. there's those kind of situations where we don't have to hold ourselves hostage for potentially making a quote unquote wrong mistake. I can compassionately hold myself and recognize that I thought I was making a good decision. Yeah, you didn't manifest it. It's okay. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. I was so glad glad we're on the same page about a lot of those things. What is the most common or like one of the most common strategies that you teach people for a, a problem that you see over and over again with your clients? Or maybe like, what's your favorite? My favorite is the friendships that we have that are, that actually suck. Like, okay. Okay. Say more about that. Um, I, the, the issue that I think I deal with the most, um, is people recognizing once they start this work that the relationships, specifically friendships or romantic relationships, but we'll just do friendships for this one that aren't actually reciprocal. Like this is a one-sided relationship. I'm actually the one that's always there for them. Mm-hmm. They, you know, never show up for me. I don't feel seen with them. I actually don't even feel safe with this person. And I see the client or in the workshop, I see the person recognizing 
this, I have to walk away from this. Like this isn't working. And I think the, the thing that I always remind people when this happens, because it's for sure happened to me, I'm sure it's happened to a lot of the folks listening. And I, this is going to sound super cliche, but like remembering that the people that you meet are seasonal is so powerful. Not every single person that you meet has to be your best friend. Forever. Not every single mm-hmm. acqu- right. Not every single acquaintance you make has to be someone that you now have to bring into friend status. Not everybody needs to meet your parents. Not everybody needs to know where you live. Like reminding yourself that there's different buckets of friendships. Like there's people that I know and love and that are I'm extremely close to. I've known 20 years. And then there's people that I'm friendly with. And they stay in that friendly bucket and we may hang out and I really might care about them. And yet they don't have to be. And so I'm saying this to say that our friendships don't have to necessarily end just because we realize that they're not working with the way that we are now. I want you to begin to get curious about, am I looking at this person as the type of friend that maybe they don't see me as, and I need to put them in a different bucket. We could maybe still be connected, but they're not going to be someone that, you know, I'm mm-hmm. doing all of giving all of this work to giving all of this emotional support to, or giving all this work to, or showing up for in this way when actually we're on a different we're in a different page. I'm saying that because most people are afraid to end these relationships or most people are afraid that they'll end up alone if they actually uh, required all of their relationships to meet certain standards of showing up and being seen or being understood. And really it's about recognizing that friendships are on a spectrum. They don't, they don't all have to be, not every single person you're in relationship has to meet these particular requirements in order to be your friend. Or most likely you you would have a hard time keeping people in your life. Figure out what you need to feel safe. And this also doesn't have to be something you have a conversation with every person about. I mean, I know like I might be sounding like I'm telling people over and over again the same thing, but like truly the things that we go to people with a lot of times for converse, to have a conversation about, the, the conversation needs to happen with ourselves. Am I happy with them as a friend before I go talk to this person? Am I happy with them? Do I trust them? Do I feel safe with them? Mm-hmm. Would I feel better if they were someone I just saw sometimes instead of someone I kept getting upset about because they don't have time to see me as often as I want? Do I need more single friends now that I'm single? Do I need more mom friends now that I'm a parent? You know, whatever it is that you need, begin asking yourself those questions and then look at how you can make that a possibility in your life because it's true. It is hard to maintain friendships as we get older and especially yeah. harder to find new friends as yes. we get we get older as well. I love that so much. And it made me think of a particular friendship that I have um, where I tend to, you know, my life motto for a long time has been like, just run as fast as you can around corners with your arms open, but your eyes closed, like just like, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like and it get me in so much trouble. I have one particular friend whom I adore and this person, I realized she was kind of gossiping about our other friends. And I was like, I don't, I don't like that. And I don't participate in that. I didn't say that, you know, this is what I'm thinking. And I'm like, okay, well, if she's, she's doing that to other people, she's likely doing that about me too. So I still am friends with her and I just don't tell her my deepest, darkest secrets. Like I just, we're a little bit more on the surface now. And she did not push back when like I initiated that in our friendship. And I was like, she might think the same thing about me. Like I may have irritated her about something. You know? <laughs> and it's, it's very, it feels very mutual. I have found that Friendships are so much like romantic relationships in that 
you will get your heart broken and your ass kicked emotionally from time to time in these friendships. And it is just kind of the way it works. And please, please do the work to keep putting yourself out there and find new friendships. And here's the question I often get is like, how do I have a hard time finding other people, friendships that are interested also in personal development. Mm. And I tell people, start a book club, you know, like mm-hmm. get your, get your sugar jar book or or whatever it yeah. is and start a book club and people who are interested and in, in the same types of things, or I've heard, I've heard actually good things about Bumble BFF. Have you heard about that one? I have. And I have heard good things about that. I've read a story, uh, an article too, where a woman met her maid of honor on Bumble BFF. I love like, that. Yeah. I've had women come to my in-person retreats who have been lifelong friends. And even I don't teach them anymore, but when I used to do online groups, kind of like yours, I've had people who had never met in person. They just really hit it off in the group. And then they ended up meeting in person and are still friends after all these years. So I love that. And I think it's so yeah. important too, because your friends are not going to always go on the same journey you're going on. And they don't, don't leave your friendship just because they don't care about what you're interested in now. Find exactly. folks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I still have good friends who, who kind of know what I do for a living and they're like, that's interesting, but you know, we bond over our children being the same age and, and mm-hmm. things like that. So it's, it's definitely important to have. I have loved this conversation so much. I appreciate you to the moon and back and everyone. The book is The Sugar Jar, Create Boundaries, Embrace Self-Healing, and Enjoy the Sweet Things in Life, available December 27th. Yes, but it's available for pre-order now. Yay! It's available for pre-order now. Is there any kind of like, are, are you doing any like special, like, are you giving away candy if people buy the book earlier? Anything oh like that? Gosh, better than candy. No. So if you go to yasmincheyenne.com slash books and you pre-order, there's instructions all on the on the site, but you'll get a four-part course to help you start creating boundaries, embracing self-healing right now as you wait for your book to arrive by December. Amazing. Well, thank you again so much for being here. I've just so enjoyed this. And Thank you listeners for being here and for spending your time with us today. And remember, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye for now. Hey, did you know there's free secret podcast episodes waiting for you that are not part of my regular podcast feed? Yes. AndreaOwen.com slash free. And you just sign up you get a link sent to you. It's very secret. It's like a secret club. We don't have a secret handshake. Don't worry about that. But it's these motivating podcast episodes that I made for you. They're under 20 minutes each. There's three of them. They're for wherever you are in your life. So head on over there and grab them. They range from really supporting you and seeing you where you are and being compassionate all the way to giving you a giant kick in your ass and telling you how amazing and gorgeous and phenomenal you are. So andreaowen.com slash free and get your hands on that free podcast feed.